Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tucker Carlson was defending this 17-year-old Trump humper who murdered two people in Kenosha and wounded another. It looks like the person that he wounded might even lose his entire arm. These AR-15s, the bullets that they shoot are very high philosophy and, and, and they, they cause incredible damage. I mean, we, we learned a lot of this back you know, with the school shootings years ago where that young man went in and, well, it seems like they're always young men doing it. But in any case, Tucker Carlson said, and I quote, are we really surprised that looting and arson accelerated murder? How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Really, no one else would? The police were there. I, you know, I retweeted a video yesterday afternoon of these right-wing guys. This kid was apparently part of this group talking among themselves, talking about, and they were right next to the police cars, talking about how the police had said, we're going to push the protesters into you guys, and then you beat them up. Well, that's what happened here in Portland a couple days ago. And the cops just stood there for three hours, watching right-wingers beat up left-wingers, by and large, and threaten them with guns. Now, nobody got shot, but people have gotten shot here and in other cities in the past by right-wingers. But this is astonishing, as uh, Keith Boykins over at CNN said, an innocent black guy is killed by police and Tucker Carlson calls him a thug. A guilty white guy murders two people and Tucker Carlson calls him a patriot. But the point that I would make, and that I haven't heard anybody else make, and I, I, I don't know why, and uh, tell me if you think I'm just like way out on a limb here, that I'm crazy. When you buy and learn how to use a gun and then you travel hours or miles, let's say. I, I guess uh, you know, Kenosha is only you know, 15, 20 minutes away from Antioch, Illinois, but you travel to another state with that gun. I would not call that anything other than hunting. How is this Trump-loving kid sitting in the front row of Trump rallies, how is he anything other than a hunter of humans looking for someone to kill? I mean, I'm reminded of, of Don Jr. and Eric going off on their big game hunts, and now you know we pay for their security when they do it looking to kill, I mean, I've seen them with dead leopards, I've seen them with dead elephants, I've seen them with dead muskox, endangered species. They take their guns, they go off on a hunting trip, and they kill something. And it looks to me like this kid, I shouldn't even call him a kid, I keep saying that because he's 17 years old, but he's a killer, he's a murderer, he, he is a human hunter, a predator. Or am I being too harsh? Or is it, you know, is the media not calling him this because he's white? Is that the deal? Oh, we wouldn't call a white person a predator. Black people are predators. You know, years ago, Hillary Clinton in a inarticulate moment referred to black super predators. It haunted her 
for the it has haunted her for the rest of her life. It's deep in our consciousness, as I was saying earlier, about you know medical care in the United States. It's just buried inside there, and every now and then it pops up, at least for white people, and I'm guessing for black people too, because we all grew up in the same damn culture, by and large. The same TV shows, the same movies, and every now and then it pops up and goes, ah! and we're like, whoa, where'd that come from? But with Tucker Carlson, it's just a nonstop stream. It's like, you know, diarrhea on Fox News. It just, it's always coming out. It never stops. But why aren't we referring to this killer as a predator? Why aren't we referring to many of the people who came to these protests, not looking to say, hey, stop an injustice? And I can tell you, you know, I'm going to get a call from a right winger who's going to say, well, what about the black people who came in from out of town to burn down that gas station? Weren't they predators? I'd say, no, they are asking some of them in ways that are not particularly useful and probably even hurt their own cause, but they are asking that we stop killing them. That's a very different thing from putting a gun in your car and driving to another state to shoot people. I mean, think about this for a minute. What actually happened here? We have human beings, we have citizens of this country going on hunting trips. And they're showing up here in Portland. And this one showed up in Kenosha. And they're taking their weapons with them. Isn't it about time that we woke the hell up to what's going on? I watched the uh, uh, Republican convention. Oh, God. I watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> it was a gruel. I mean, it was, it was just genuinely bizarre stuff. At the same time that Tucker Carlson was defending this 17-year-old killer, I mean, it just, it gets so strange. That some of the headlines from the right wing, this is incredible. From OutKick, LeBron James is a bigot. Uh, from the Washington Examiner, the NBA playoff boycotts are an empty gesture. PJ Media, good riddance, NBA may cancel season in protest of Jacob Blake shooting. The American Spectator, the seeds of a civil war in Kenosha. New York Post, craven Democrats invite violence. Infowars, go fund me. Nukes Kyle Rittenhouse, he's the 17-year-old the kid who who uh, murdered a couple of people. Fundraiser allowed the, actually, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call him a kid anymore. I'm going to call him a Trump supporter because that's what he is. He was in the front row of a Trump rally that he had to travel quite a distance to get to. It was in Iowa back in January, literally in the front row. So, you know, this Trump humper is, is a murderer. And I think there's a connection between the two. Anyhow, the headline over at InfoWars, GoFundMe nukes Kyle Rittenhouse fundraiser allows BLM rioters to receive a million dollars in donations. American thinker, lefties try to get Tucker Carlson fired over Kenosha commentary. Town Hall, what's behind the violence in America? Hint, it's black people and Democrats. And, you know, on it goes. The Washington Post put together a pretty good fact check. And I want to, you know, quote in part from that, but also from just what I saw. Vice President Pence started out by talking about how Trump saved countless lives in America by putting a ban on flights from China. Well, actually, there were 11 exemptions to those flights, so over 40,000 people came into the United States from China after Trump's ban. 40,000. Trump's ban didn't happen until after 38 other countries had done the same thing. He was a laggard, as they say. And a total of 430,000 people came in from China from January when the virus was circulating in China. So basically, so number two, where this president achieved energy independence for the United States, Joe Biden would abolish fossil fuels and fracking. All of those are lies. We are not energy independent. In fact, we imported, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, part of Pence's administration, 
In 2019, the U.S. imported 9.1 million barrels per day of petroleum from nearly 90 other countries. And as to uh, Joe Biden doing away with fossil fuels and fracking, well, yeah, that plan spans at least 30 years. He's calling for net zero carbon emissions no later than 2050. That's 30 years from now. Mike Pence said, when asked whether Biden support cutting funding to law enforcement, he replied, yes, absolutely. As the Washington Post says, this is simply false. In fact, I guess the biggest question I have is, are the American people still buying Republican lies? What Biden actually said to CBS, they said, do you support defunding the police? And he said, no, I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness. And in fact, are they able to demonstrate that they can protect the community and everybody in the community? Pence, this one just blew my mind. In this uh, trembling voice, you know, Mike Pence was, Dave Patrick Underwood was an officer of the Department of Homeland Security's Federal Protection Service who was shot and killed during the riots in Oakland, California, as if Black Lives Matter rioters had killed this guy. He was actually killed by Air Force Staff Sergeant Stephen Carrillo, who is a boogaloo boy, a right-wing killer. But Pence didn't see fit to point that out. He was, you know, a supporter of Donald Trump killed David Patrick Underwood and Pence, you know, this is bizarre. Pence, last week, Joe Biden didn't say one word about the violence and chaos engulfing cities across this country. Uh, Right. Actually, what Biden says was protesting brutality is a right and absolutely necessary, but burning down communities is not protest. It's needless violence, violence that endangers lives. Once again, Mike Pence lying to the American people. Pence continues, after many years of scandal robbed our veterans of the care that you earned in the uniform of the United States, President Trump kept his word again. He reformed the VA and Veterans Choice is now available for every veteran in America. This was a law passed in 2014 and signed into law by Barack Obama. Pence went on to say, four years ago, we inherited a military hollowed out by devastating budget cuts. We rebuilt our military. Well, actually, the military budget had declined, but why? Because the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were winding down. There's an absolute one-to-one relationship between the two. Pence went on to say the Obama-Biden administration secretly launched a surveillance operation on the Trump campaign. No, wrong. The FBI did because Mike Flynn was talking to Russians that he shouldn't have been talking to while he was making the transition, while he was not in office. You know, it's a violation of the Logan Act, if nothing else. I've got a bit more of a rant for you, and and I want to talk about the coronavirus as well. There's just so much going on, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman, a couple of white guys, the infamously inept Trump-loving dirty tricksters, they tried to smear Robert Mueller, you'll recall, a year or so ago we were talking about them. They've got a new robocall out. This is the one I was reading about to Tom Perez. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson today, just a few hours ago, posted an audio clip of this robocall and said, you know, these are basically lies. Please This is a campaign by a couple of white Republicans targeting African Americans, saying the police will track you down, the IRS will track you down, and the CDC is going to want to forcibly vaccinate you if you vote by mail. The simple reality is requesting an absentee ballot does not put you on any list, period. I mean, you've got the absentee ballot list that the state has, but I mean, any list that anybody can can read, it's... It, it, the simple reality is if you're registered as a voter, that is a public record already. And, you know, there's people that can acquire those lists. You can acquire that list. But the idea that the police are going to use this to come after you for outstanding warrants, and, and you know, which means, of course, 
well, even if I don't have outstanding warrants, if the police are going to be knocking door to door, I mean, look at what happened to Breonna Taylor. It could happen to me. This is voter suppression, and it's evil. They've released the names of the people that uh, were killed by, by a 17-year-old Trump humper, the Trump fan who stood in the front row of, his, of Donald Trump's Iowa rally and then went on to murder a couple of people. To Anthony Huber, H-U-B-E-R, maybe it's Huber, was one. He was the hero who actually tried to take the gun away from this guy in Kenosha. And this 17-year-old uh, Trump humper turned around and shot him with it. And he's dead, of course. In my inbox, in my email inbox, I wanted to share with you, I thought it was just remarkable. I was very impressed. Axios has, you know, produces a whole bunch of different newsletters. They've become quite a news agency and they push them out as daily email newsletters. And one of the ones that I've subscribed to for a very long time, I think probably from the time that it first started, is the Axios Markets newsletter. And, you know, it's about finance and the economy and markets and stuff like that. It's, it's one of the things Probably the two big things that I talk about on this show, in addition to just, you know, kind of raw politics, are science and economics. And so I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by this stuff. And so I've been subscribing to this newsletter for a long, long time. And it's published, it's written every day by a guy by the name of Dion, D-I-O-N. And I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's R-A-B-O-U-I-N, Rabouin. And my apologies, Dion, if you're watching this on YouTube or something, you know, days later and and I've mangled your name. But he starts out, and now typically this is, you know, this company's buying that company, and here's what's happening in the stock market, and here's, you know, the Fed just said, and all this kind of stuff. And instead he writes, I can't write a newsletter today. And in the next paragraph he talks about how, you know, the NBA players went on strike, and he says, whenever someone stands up to fight for justice, one must always ask whether that stand is a moment or a movement. Now this is a conversation I had with Joe Madison a couple of weeks ago on this show. Actually, you know, more like a month ago when we were talking about, you know, the, the protests around the murder of George Floyd. Is this a moment or a movement? And, you know, we're both very hopeful it's a movement. But anyhow, back to, to Dion's newsletter. He says, whenever someone stands up to fight for justice, one must always ask whether that stand is a, is a moment or a movement. I hope that what the NBA started last night was a movement. I hope it was a movement for change and a movement for justice and equality. I don't have much to give to that movement, but I have my body and I have my mind, and I have this little newsletter that you all read. Maybe I can make a difference somehow by showing that you don't have to be a superstar to take a stand. Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times while walking away. To my eyes, he walked away because he was sick and tired of being harassed by armed agents of the state whose occupation is supposed to be to protect him. I don't know Jacob Blake, but I know what it's like to be tired of police harassment and to decide that enough is enough. So did Eric Garner, so did Sandra Bland, so did many others. This must end. I've been stopped, again, this is you know, Dion, who writes the Axios Market Newsletter in his own voice. He says, I've been stopped and frisked, I've been assaulted, I've been thrown to the ground or on the hood of a car and handcuffed by these same armed agents of the state for the crime of looking suspicious or being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong skin. And I know exactly what it's like to have that pit well up in the back of my throat as I decided that I had taken enough. I was fortunate enough not to end up dead or paralyzed. Whoa, talk about speaking truth to power. He goes on to say, many of you reading this newsletter are CEOs, presidents, founders, and asset managers who oversee billions of dollars. If I have the chance to speak to you and say one thing from my heart, it is this. Understand that there is profound injustice happening in this country, and it has been happening for as long as any of us can remember, and it eats away at us every day. Nothing changes, Dion writes in the last paragraph of the newsletter that I got today. Nothing changes until people decide it's unconscionable for things to continue the way that they are. It feels like we may have reached that point, and I stand with the people who are taking a stand for change, even if all I have is this little newsletter. Absolutely brilliant. 
the CDC said, no, you may not get a test unless you have symptoms. We're going to start ignoring the idea that there's pre-symptomatic spread, that people who don't have symptoms are capable of spreading the disease. When in fact, we know that on average, that would be people in their 40s, 50s is probably the average age of Americans right now. On average, about half of people who get this virus just spread it. They don't get symptoms, but they do share it with other people. They do spread it to other people. Among kids, it's much higher. It's around 90%. You don't get symptoms, but they do spread it. So why did the CDC change their rules? Well, Mike Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, was on TV this morning on uh, either CNN or MSNBC, and, and they asked him that question, and he said, because of the backlog in testing, we can't test enough people fast enough, so we need to slow down the number of people going into the testing pool. Which raises the question, why not increase the number of tests available? I mean, we've been calling for this since January. Have the federal government produce tests. Have the federal government order companies to produce tests. Use the Defense Production Act. I mean, there's so many things that could be done. But this decision by the CDC, it's going to make it harder for people to get tests. It's going to make it much easier for insurance companies to refuse to pay for tests. And, you know, we've seen over and over and over again, you show up at an ER and say, you know, I think I should be tested. My, my son came over yesterday and his, his wife or girlfriend has COVID or something like that. I mean, I've been exposed. It can cost you anywhere from $1,500 to $10,000 to show up at a hospital ER and simply get a coronavirus test. And insurance companies are increasingly saying, you know, if you're not sick enough to be admitted into the hospital, we're not paying for that damn test. And the CDC just doubled down on this. I mean, this, this is crazy. And I think what's going on here is that Trump knows that this policy, and by the way, Anthony Fauci was having surgery on his vocal cords. He was under general anesthetic. He was literally unconscious. So they, they, they call this emergency meeting to change CDC policy because he's not there. And I mean, I think what's going on here is that they know and Trump knows that this policy is going to drop the numbers that we're seeing very quickly. We're, you're going to start seeing, oh, instead of 60,000 new cases a day, we're down to 50,000. Now we're down to 40,000. I think we were 47,000 yesterday. Um, pretty soon we're going to be down to 35 or 30,000. But it won't be because there's fewer cases. It'll be because there's fewer tests being done, so fewer cases we're identifying, which is going to make it impossible to do contact tracing and things like that. But it also means that there's going to be a lot of people running around who are contagious who don't realize it, and they're going to be spreading this virus. So what you're going to see is an explosion in cases. But it's not going to show up in the numbers over the next four or five weeks. And as Tom Perez pointed out, early voting starts in just a week and a half, two weeks. We are very close to this election. Right? I mean, September 1st is next week, and the election's the first week of November. We're there, two months away. And so, so here we are, two months out, early voting starts in two weeks. And Trump is just looking at this saying, you know, from the time somebody gets infected until the time they end up a fatality statistic, it's typically two months. It takes a couple weeks for symptoms to show up. Then it takes a, typically they get worse on the 10th or 11th day. And then you go to the hospital and then you're hospitalized for a week or two. And then you're intubated for a week or two and then you die. That's the course. And so he's figuring, you know, by the time most people have voted, that's when the deaths are going to start showing up. So he's just going to hand them off to Joe Biden or he's just going to ignore them. To call the Republican Party a death cult is almost an understatement. I mean, whether it's tearing children from their families and letting many of them die. We've had a, a, any number of children die, immigrants' children die in the hands of, of Donald Trump's ICE. Or promoting policies that caused nearly 200,000 Americans so far to die from this virus. Or encouraging deadly vote, uh, violence against people protesting racism. Trump and the GOP are all in on violence and brutality and death. And the question is, you know, are Americans going to wake up? The other thing I wanted to rant about for just a minute, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get to your calls. This story, ProPublica, a great organization. They do marvelous, extraordinary investigative journalism. They've got an app, by the way, for the iPhone. I assume they have one for Android as well. Um, that's, that's a, you know, a great little news app. They just did a, 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 a massive investigation across the United States. 
and found that black people are three times more likely to have a limb amputated because of diabetes than white people. Now, what this is pointing to, and maybe I'm just hypersensitive to this right now because I'm writing a book about the hidden history of healthcare that'll be out next fall, but, um, and I keep encountering this in, the, in all the research I'm doing. You know, I, I point back to April 6th when all the media announced the research that found that black people were far more likely, almost twice as likely, as white people to die from COVID-19. And that was the point at which all of a sudden the Trump administration, the, the right-wing think tanks, you know, Freedom Works, all these other groups, the Chamber of Commerce, they all started saying, hey, time to open America back up. It's only black people dying. And what gets lost in this conversation, and I think it's the really important point to make, is black people are more than twice as likely to die from everything. They're more likely to die from cancer. They're more likely to die from heart disease. They're more likely to die from, you know, three times more likely to lose a limb to diabetes, more likely to die or become blind from diabetes. Does it have anything to do with genetics? No, other than the impact of having your genetics visible in as much as your skin is dark. That's it. There is no you know, health-wise genetic reason for this that black people die at a higher rate from, from uh, heart disease. You know, they're, they're about the only condition that black people are more likely to have than white people is sickle cell anemia. And sickle cell anemia is not associated with any of these things. And that's it. The, the simple fact of the matter is that, you know, it, it wasn't until the 1960s that most black people in America could even get admitted to a hospital. People, African-Americans in this country, died with serious diseases at home. I just, I just uh, finished researching and wrote this mind-boggling chapter about Medicare, how when, when LBJ passed Medicare in 1967, and, and they put it into place in uh, nine months. And during that time, they went, at, at, during that time, virtually every hospital in America was segregated. And across the South, there were many hospitals that just period, flat out didn't take black people. And, and, you know, just go home and die. Sorry. And even if you did go to a hospital that took black people, you had to wait until the doctors were done serving all the white people, which sometimes took a couple of days. And when they passed Medicare, the Johnson administration surreptitiously created an alliance with a bunch of civil rights groups, including SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and the NAACP. And they had people going into these hospitals to find out if they were segregated or not because the law said you can't get Medicare money if you're still segregated. And you had like, you know, 10,000 hospitals that were segregated in the United States. They desegregated every hospital in America in less than one year. And how did they do it? They said, hey, you want the money? Old people are very expensive. This, they were as much as 50% of the budgets of some of these hospitals within a year or two. That's the one great leap forward we have had in my lifetime in terms of medical care for African-Americans. But in every other regard, black Americans are less likely to get painkillers at the same level as white Americans. They're less likely to get chemo. They're less likely to get treatments for heart disease. They're less likely to get treatment for diabetes and particularly aggressive treatment or any kind of treatment that requires regular monitoring. And this all has to do with racism in the system and the racist assumptions that get built into us by our culture, like the assumption that black people don't experience pain like white people do, which is complete nonsense. I, I shouldn't even have to say that. Except that that, I mean, it, literally, studies done two years ago in hospitals found that black people got fewer pain medications than white people. So when they talk about black people dying at disproportionate rates from COVID, they really need to be pointing out that it's not just COVID. And by the way, that might scare some white people because it's not that COVID kills black people. It's that COVID kills anybody who gets it or has the potential to certainly particularly if they're suffering from any kind of medical condition. And black people are more likely to be suffering from those conditions as a result of poverty, but most importantly, racism. 
even wealthy black people get worse treatment in our healthcare system than poor white people. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Steve in St. Petersburg, Florida. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Well, I got to tell you, Tom, I think that it's in human nature, and especially American human nature, because we're raised to be good capitalist consumers, hedonists, Disneyland, and binging on Tony Soprano and Breaking Bad, and have fun and ignore the bad things that are happening, like you're on the Titanic and it's sinking, but party on. But now, as you've said, we're totally at a deflection point. Look at the list of things we're facing that we need to get super serious as individuals. We can't count on the politicians. Anthropogenic mass extinction, climate change, people who want a new civil war, police that are on the side of those people, a president who's a gangster and is allied with gangsters, environmental problems, fires, economic problems, people hating each other, gun violence. The list goes on and on. It's time for all of us to grow up be more responsible in our personal lives, get a spiritual life so that we know how to comfort ourselves as well as strengthen ourselves, and make a greater proportion of our mental space and time to fixing ourselves and this country before it's too late. We are in a fire, but if, if, I'll leave you with this. When you saw what happened in Lebanon, 
with government corruption that's pretty much as bad as here, and then that big explosion. The people of Lebanon, it's starving, starving in a failed state, they went out in the streets and they threatened their leaders and said, you either do what's right or we're going to come and get you. The American people, other than Black Lives Matter and allied groups, are largely like sheep sitting back and hoping that voting might change it. I'm saying we have to vote for Biden and Harris and all Democrats and get rid of McConnell, etc. But we also have to change who we are. And every single day, we have to fight the new American revolution and really make this country great again. Spot on. Thank you. Joanne in Seattle. Hey, Joanne, thanks for holding so long. What's up? To me, there's two words that have really messed up the swing voters, the ones that haven't made up their mind, and that is defund the police. Now, you and I know what that means, but, you know, these other uh, right-wingers, they want to, you know, interpret it wrong. So I'm thinking that if us people that care about black lives, if we all um, boycotted the corporate America, that that might help. Like the LBGT people, they got made so much progress all the way to the top, to the uh, courts, to make things legal. So I think this would be a great way to, and they've started it by the football and baseball and whatnot, but I'm talking about boycotting the the corporate America places. I know that we're in a hell of a mess with the financial stuff, but what do you think? I, you know, I think that's a great idea, Joanne, and it might be a, a good starting point. The problem with boycotts is that since the economy has become so monopolized, you've got very small collections of very large companies that dominate every industry in the United States now, unlike 40 years ago. It's really hard to have a focused boycott that has any impact. And it's really, in particular, because so many essential goods are controlled by these large corporations. I do think there are lessons learned from what the gay community did for years and years, both in AIDS activism, you know, the whole ACT UP thing, and also in civil rights activism and marriage equality. And part of that was getting very politically active and aggressively supporting political candidates, candidates for office who uh, support your agenda. Part of it was being visible. You know, the whole ACT UP thing in the 80s and 90s was really, really, uh, you know, kind of forced Reagan ultimately, or certainly George Herbert Walker Bush to back down. Reagan refused to say AIDS for eight years. It was, it was a crime, basically. So I think there's lessons there, but I think the extraordinary lessons that we all learned about civil rights were lessons taught us by people like Martin Luther King and John Lewis, you know, persist and be nonviolent. But I'm not in that movement specifically. I mean, I'm, I'm not an African-American, so my perspective might be a little different. But did, did anything I just said make sense, Joanne? I feel like I'm blithering here. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But I think that between defunding the police and then all the people that come into the marches, the rioters, then that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a setup. It's a setup for the Republicans to say, yeah, they're out of control, you know, and our world is threatened and, you know, the police are fine. I agree. And people who are doing property damage are simply creating television ads for Donald Trump. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And it's very unfortunate. On the other hand, you're stuck with this bizarre dynamic where if you just show up and peacefully protest, it never makes the news. Whereas if you set something on fire, it does. But then it defeats you, you know, it hurts you. Uh, Joanne, it's a tough one. I don't have an easy answer. Kala in Brooklyn, New York, C-A-U-L-A. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yes. Hi, Kala. Thank you for calling. What's up? Well, I wanted to piggyback on a couple of awesome and amazing points you made today, bring up some recent events I don't know if you are aware of. But with the Jacob Blake situation, I, I very much agree with the... Was it the journalist do you referring to from Axios? What's his name? Dion? Yeah, Dion uh, yeah, Robin. Yeah. 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 I'm a black woman. When I saw him walking away from the police, I said, This guy is fed up. He's walking away. He's like, I'm here to assist 
in an altercation, and they're about to, they're targeting me. He went there to break up a fight. Wait, right. I didn't see him being contentious. I didn't see him being. I saw. I saw a frustration. Like, oh, you know, it's amazing the perspective of different people. Now, in addition to that, there's been comparisons between the um, right wing, white supremacist. What is his name? Kyle. I forget his last name. And, yeah, it doesn't matter what his name is. You know, yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. He, he's a murderer, and you know, they're they're showing images of him cleaning graffiti, and then you have Jacob Blake, and they're trying to muddy his image. And the media, they're, they're really the mainstream media, it's just infuriating that the messaging that they're putting out there, you know. The Kenosha police were giving him water. They were encouraging and endorsing his behavior. They, I see that they were telling them, there were recordings with the taping and the filming, that they were telling them, oh, yeah, we need your help. We need more of you guys out here assisting us. And the Kenosha Police Department has a history of corruption and framing individuals and deceit. It was in 2017 they were under federal investigation for all of the, the corruption going on, racial disparities and injustice in that same police department. So... You know, I'm really glad that the NBA is stepping up. We need the NFL. They know it. The majority of them have had the same experiences. Even Tim Scott, you know, admitted to it, you know, the lone um, black senator. So it's, it's just a part of their lives. You know, it's an intricate part of their lives. So we need, we need the NFL, the NBA to continue, the NFL to continue the platform, the, the WNBA. Uh, they've been doing an amazing job. But it just can't be a moment. We have to keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And, you know, not just rhetoric. It has to be action. You know, we have to mm-hmm. uh, get, the, get the representatives out there that are going to push our agenda. They're going to create policies that make real change. We need the action. We just don't need the words. So I hope, you know, everyone's getting it, um, finally getting it. Um, and then the other thing that I, I guess I'm just talking, talking, I'm not, <laughs> the other thing I wanted okay. to discuss, you, was, you, you also, um, spoke about the, um, that COVID didn't just, um, is not the only thing that's affecting the, the black, um, community, community disproportion, disproportionately in the medical field, that it's just the litany of health issues that aren't hereditary and um, I wasn't even aware of the fact that in the 1960s how the, the hospitals were segregated and, and black people were treated last and, you know, but it, it's still going on at, at the present time. Um, and um, I'm, are you aware of the, uh, I'm pretty sure you know about him, uh, Marion Sims, the, um, they call him the doctor of gynecology. He was oh, praised. yeah, the he guy who, who yeah, was yeah, yeah. torturing yeah, black was, women. Yeah. yeah, black women, right? So he said, you know, they're not human beings. Um, they don't need right. paid medication. And this, these practices, the mindset, it gets passed on in the medical field from generation to generation. You don't need attended to, you know, need to be attended to. You're not material. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it's just so widespread. I mean, even when um, Serena Williams was, she she um, came out when she had her daughter, how she was not taken seriously. She suffered from yeah. bl- bl- um, blood clots. Preeclampsia, wasn't and, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you were, yeah well, the preeclampsia, um, I don't remember that. I do remember specifically yeah. that she suffered from blood clots. And she was mm-hmm. addressing the doctors, and they weren't listening to her. And then she almost, um, I think she went into shock. There was something very dramatic that happened. And she's Serena Williams, you know? She's supposed to have the best. And she acknowledged that she was not being um, attended to, listened to. We have African-American women, we're dying um, during childbirth disproportionately, you know? It's yep. going on and on and on. So these were just a, a number of things that I wanted to piggyback on that you you highlighted, and they're um, you're definitely on point. So great, thank you, Colin. Yeah, and 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 it's not that that in my opinion, it's not that you know white doctors are sitting around going, oh, I'm going to be mean to black people. It is deep in the psyche of this country and of anybody who grew up in this country. You're listening to Tom Hartman.
Well, police arrested Kyle Rittenhouse, 17, yes, 17 years old, uh, Antioch, Wisconsin, for fatally shooting a demonstrator. He's been charged with first-degree intentional homicide in Kenosha last night. This from uh, Travis Geddes over at rawstory.com. The militia members had gathered to protect a gas station from looters and vandals, and video shows police offering Rittenhouse water shortly before the shooting and thanking him for being there. Another video shows Rittenhouse open fire with a rifle after he's knocked to the ground and then calmly walking toward police vehicles with his hands raised in surrender. However, no police officers are seen getting out of their vehicles, which continue advancing toward the protesters. Rittenhouse then fled the state and was considered a fugitive. Uh, he was arrested, uh, apparently, yeah, he was arrested this morning. So, 17-year-old white guy. This is what happens when you have a mentally ill fascist in the White House. I, I don't know how to say it beyond that. And I think we just need to, you know, very, very bluntly lay this out and, and, and say this is exactly, this is exactly what's going on. Eugene in Chicago. Hey, Eugene, what's on your mind? Good afternoon. I believe two measures should be taken to begin to address police and state-sponsored terror against the black community. The first is I believe the police department should be racially segregated. I don't believe that white people, by and large, because there are exceptions, and Jane Elliott comes to mind, um, have the cultural competence or the sensitivity to have the decision power to decide whether we live or die. Second, after the police department has been segregated racially, I believe police officers should come from the communities that they patrol. It's a different relationship when you know the police officers and they know you and they know your family's circumstances. What do you think? <coughs> Excuse me. I think looking at um, 40 plus years of science on this, that one of the things we know is that when people live and work in an integrated environment, they become radically more racially tolerant. So uh, I agree with you that police should be coming from the community. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, but I, I think that segregating the police would, would make things worse. You would end up with basically, you know, the Nazi police and, and, the, and, the, and the black police. I mean, you know, the, 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 the white supremacy would go on steroids. I well, but you'd have the Nazi police in the white community. Not oh, I know. They're terror up on us. Now, you all yeah, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Nazi and the authoritarian, but we don't want them to continue to heap terror unchecked upon us. We know that the yeah. real Nazis have infiltrated the police department. I get it, and I agree with everything you said, Eugene, except the, the part about the segregation. Uh, I think we need to be integrating this the police force. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Aggressively integrating our police forces. But, you know, I'm not a cop. What do I know? I guess really what I should have said was, I'm not black, what do I know? I just can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine, but I'm certain I don't feel it the way that I would if it were real. Having a police department constantly coming after me because of the color of my skin. It's just, phew. Jessica in uh, Chicago, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? I'm so proud of the NBA for being so strong and canceling their games. I feel like that yeah. makes my protestings, my protesting worthwhile. Um, the last two protests I did for um, the post office, we were yelled at by the Trump booger boys. They don't even wear masks. And um, yeah. yeah. And then I wanted to ask you a question. What happens to all these wealthy people who bet on sports? All these sports people, I'm so proud of them. Um, if they protest long enough, it's going to get the wealthy people mad, too. Yeah, I, I don't know, Jessica. I am such a not a sports fan that when I read that the NBA was not going to play their games, I was like, which, which, which sport is that? It took me a little bit to figure out that it was basketball. It is basketball, right? Oh, it's baseball. Okay, so uh, there no, you go. I, it is basketball, but I think baseball's going to do it too. Yeah, that's what I ultimately figured out. 
and now there's talking that you know the football is going to be doing it too and and i think that you know this is a really good and healthy thing and and this is this is what happens when people wake up and when you actually empower people who have historically been oppressed i mean you've got large chunks of players in all of these sports now are african americans and they've got power i mean you've got people who are making millions of dollars a year in their salaries and they are exercising that power and that's great this is the republicans greatest nightmare that more black people across the united states in a broader spectrum than just professional sports start acquiring wealth and political power and start saying you know we would like to just have the same say the white people do it's not like you know the dystopia that donald trump is envisioning of of you know uh, or that was characterized in birth of a nation you know uh, god-awful stereotypes of black people running things but instead, it's just, you know, hey, we're human beings, too, and we would like to have the same rights and the same say. And by the way, please stop killing us. All of this stuff, it's just, it's remarkable. And, and we still have such a long way to go. And, and then you get, you know, these commentators saying, or for that matter, politicians, saying there is no more racism in America. You know, was, I forget who it was who said it two nights ago at the, at the Republican. Uh, oh, it was Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley said, there's no, America is not a racist nation. Really? You know, Nikki, let me tell you about Plessy versus Ferguson. Let me tell you about Dred Scott. You know, we're not a racist country. Really? Uh, Let me tell you about the Voting Rights Act and why it was necessary or the Civil Rights Act and why it was necessary. And why would the why would the white guys on the Supreme Court want to gut it? Well, and, and Clarence Thomas, too. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. NetSuite.com slash Hartman. That's NetSuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. 
Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Tom in Jerusalem, Israel. Hey, Tom, what's up? Yeah, hey, I was just wanting to pass on a little Kenosha information. I have an aunt there, and I called her yesterday, obviously concerned, and her son was literally taking her, like, falling tail to get out of the house because she told me there was word out on the street that they were going to have troublemakers coming in. Now, I didn't get all the information, Hmm. but, you know, after I see now that there was shootings, this is just surreal. It's just went to levels that are unbelievable. And I mean, just her personal things going on in her life. She lost her husband last year to cancer. Her brother is dying of brain cancer. You know, people have lives and these right wing nut jobs are ruining the country. Yeah, it is a death cult. I mean, I just thought I would pass that on because obviously, you know, these police forces, they know about this stuff. It's not a secret to them. Yeah. Anyway, I know you got a long call. Oh, they, the, the cops last night gave a bottle of water to this, this 17-year-old kid with no. a gun and said, thanks oh for being God. here. And then he went off and shot some people. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you know, my aunt was just wondering, is my property still going to be here? You know, because there's a whole bunch of, yeah. you know, agent provocateurs out there. You know, it's Pro over and over again now. You know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Richard Nixon is riding oh again. I'm with you, Tom. Tom. Oh, my God. Yep. Be well. Be yep. well. Tom, thanks. Thanks, Enjoy thanks for the call. And yeah, Be well. you too. And thanks for watching us there in Israel. You too. Paul in Benton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paul, it was in Pennsylvania, by the way, that uh, shots were fired last night at this group of 60 Black Lives Matter March. Black Lives Matter marching people who are walking from Milwaukee to Washington, D.C. They're in Bedford County. And uh, they're on their way to these uh, to the anniversary of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And one of their people has been shot already. And then last night, people were shooting at them there in Pennsylvania. What what's what's going on in your state? Yeah, Tom, you know what? This doesn't surprise me at all. And, uh, you know, we have to start calling it what it is. Uh, These guys are not uh, legitimate militia members or anything. The only legitimate militias there are in this country is the National Guard. Uh, these guys are armed insurrectionists. They're authoritarians. They're the equivalent of Hitler's brown shirts. There, I, I said the H word, Hitler. You know, these are the equivalent of the brown shirts. And, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, they wrap themselves in the flag and the Constitution and, on, you know, all the stuff. But, you know, there's nothing constitutional about them. And uh, until we get a handle on this, I mean, you know, this is... They've been waiting for this. Some of these guys are more well-armed than, uh, than people in our military. And we have to call it for what it is. They're armed insurrectionists. They're authoritarians. And, um, you know, I mean, they, uh, uh, you know, that, that this, is, this is what they've been waiting for. They've been waiting for this. And I guarantee you one thing. If every Black Lives Matter protester was marching, carrying an AR-15 or an AK-47, we would not have this problem. I'm not sure that's true. I think, Paul, if every if, if every protester was carrying a weapon, we would we would be in a civil war right now. Um, uh, you know, I get I get your point, and that you know a lot of these guys are bullies, and that they might back down when you know somebody pushes back. Um, but I don't I don't think more weapons is the solution to the problem. But I'm you know in every other regard, I, I agree with everything you just said, Paul. Jeff in Gurney, Illinois. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Hey, how you doing? On the same point, you know, if we if we take the guy that's getting the water bottle from the police and we make him a black guy, first of all, does he get the water bottle? That's one point. And if he's walking away with an AK-47 or a similar piece of equipment in his hand and is walking towards the police, I think the outcome is different. They talk about white 
supremacist yeah. and uh, the white power thing. They just looked at this guy like one of a gang. You know, hey, he's all right. He's a white guy. If he's a black man, right. he's down exactly. in the dirt. Right? Yeah. This, no, he'd be dead. He would on. be we dead. He'd be dead or, yeah, well, it's a possibility. Yeah, he, he's got the weapon in his hand. Shoot him dead right in the spot. I mean, for Christ's sake, we're, we're shooting a guy in the back when at any point they could have just put the cuffs on that other guy. They, they, they chased him around. It looked like they were Yeah, seven times the they shot him in the back. Right, exactly. But at any point, yeah. the guy could have, he wasn't running away too hard. He could have slipped the cuff on him and got him. But no, they just shoot it. Just, the whole thing's terrible. You know, we're not that far from Kenosha, and we, obviously we go up there once in a while, but it's just, just a terrible situation. Anyone else, anyone else decide a white yeah. guy even shot or lay in his face in the dirt? So it's just, that's, that's white power right there. It really is. Uh, this is this is white supremacy on display, and and exactly. uh, and that's what. And let's be very clear. That's what these people are fighting for. That's what Trump was fighting for last night. That's what you know Melania giving her speech in you know military green fatigues. You know, yeah, looking hyper. all you know hyper Aryan. I mean, this is yeah. all about white supremacy. This that is yeah, what's exactly. going on. And and you look at the modern Republican Party, and that's what you see is is white yep. supremacists and people promoting white supremacy. Yeah. Jeff, thank you for the call. It's, you know, spot on. I mean, this this is what a time we live in. Frida in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Frida, what's on your mind today? Oh, hi, Tom. Say, I love your show. First time caller. I just wanted to thank point you. out, just, yeah, make a simple correction on your reporting regarding the 17-year-old shooter in Kenosha, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, you mentioned that he was from mm-hmm. Antioch, Wisconsin. He's actually just from just across the border. He is from Antioch, Illinois, and he came up to Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh-huh. to do his stuff. Yeah. Um, that so was he came to a different state to shoot somebody? Yep, yep. Antioch, Illinois is across the border south of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, yeah, he is not from Wisconsin, and he is not from Kenosha. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I just wanted this to is, clarify This is that. so, yeah, thank you for that, Frida. I appreciate it. Um, it's, it's really nice uh, doing this show with the smartest listeners and viewers in the world. I, it's just, you know, many talks are out there. Thank you, Frida. I, I got to move along, but thank you very much. Nicole in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Hey, Nicole, what's up? A group of Black Lives Matter people that are marching, they're literally walking, and, and, we're, and a lot of us are following them in Wisconsin. And one of the leaders that is not part of the Black Lives Matter movement is Tory Lowe. They have been experiencing in every state, including Kenosha. When they started walking to Kenosha, a gentleman took a huge gun and pointed at them, and he was ready to shoot them. And that guy well, one of their got people got shot. Two of their they, people out of 60. Two of their people have been shot Yeah, in Pennsylvania, right. Because every place they went, there were counties that treated them beautifully. You know, like the mayor wanted to meet them. They fed them. I mean, so it shows the love of some white people. Like, they never experienced black people in some very remote parts of Indiana. And they said they wanted to walk with them. But the Mm. guy that did the shooting in Pennsylvania, Tory Lola said, please put your gun down. Here's a minister. And he put his gun down, and then he acted like he didn't do anything. And he wanted to talk regular and have a regular conversation and shake their hand. And the police was attacking the Black Lives Matter and demonizing the Black Lives Matter. I, I'm I'm hoping they'll right. make it to D.C. alive at the rate they're going. I agree with you. And I put this at the feet of Donald Trump, although obviously racism in this country goes back 400 years. But he has politicized the police. He has and he's yep. been doing this for three years. He's been doing it for four or five years, actually, saying that basically the police are on his side. The police are worried about black people. And I mean, Reagan played this game. Of all the institutions that it is dangerous to politicize, those at the top of the list are the police and the military, the people who carry guns and can legally kill people. And Donald Trump has been doing that. As you point out, Nicole, this is the consequence of it. And so you get this relatively small number of insecure, neurotic, frightened white people and hate-filled as well, although hate typically comes out of fear, who are well-armed and this kind of stuff happens. James in Oakland, California. Hey, James, what's up? The Me Too movement itself is not necessarily about a hashtag or Harvey Weinstein. Tarana Burke is a survivor, and that Me Too is a message of solidarity 
two survivors. So I, I think that like you know maybe the hashtag Me Too is not in the in the in the Twitter sphere as much, but justice for Breonna Taylor is just as much a Me Too movement instance. You know, it's I think that there's a danger in getting it conflated with a hashtag and not seeing the essence of it that domestic violence and police violence are intimately connected. So that's what I wanted to say about that. That's a that's a great point, James. And 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 I think you know it sounds to me like what you're saying is is what I was essentially asking Susie Turnbull is you know is this movement you know has it has it gone from this this very very kind of tight small focus? I mean, obviously it's not small if it represents half of America, but you get my point. Yeah. This one specific focus um, out into a much broader and more institutional part of the landscape of America. I think that's very much the case. I also noticed a couple of days ago on. Uh, Huffington Post, there was an article uh, wherein one of the, what you might call a a Me Too activist, um, uh, was specifically saying, we need to stop using the word survivors and, uh, you know, need to come up with kind of warrior language (laughs) as opposed to Mm -hmm. victim language. You know, I get that too. And I think that all of that, these conversations, the assimilation or integration or, or synthesis of different movements and all these things are all good signs. They're signs of a movement that has matured, and that's a good and healthy thing. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 